with sexual harassment and sexual assault being such a big topic in the news lately. Of course, Harvey Weinstein bringing it to the fore and then the Donald Trump comparison. With all that, in California, we have had a big bombshell story right up that alley where the state capital, Sacramento, a really large group of women, dozens and dozens of women from legislators, everybody, staff, everybody have come out now and said publicly that there has been this culture of sexual harassment for years and it's just rampant and it's really kind of rocking the state. And of course, if it's happening in the state capital of California, my suspicion is even with that bastion of liberalism, it's happening everywhere. This is a giant national topic and conversation now. And joining us, of course, is our friend Jamie Court, because it's that time of the week when we visit with our friend Jamie Court. He's the president of ConsumerWatchdog.org. Check out ConsumerWatchdog.org where you'll find Jamie Court, C-O-U-R-T, is the president. And Jamie Court knows Sacramento, California very well, having been up there talking for consumers for many, many years. And Jamie, thanks for coming back on the Norman Goldman Show. Always my pleasure, Norm. Glad to be here. Well, Jamie, you uh, seem to me have a unique perspective on this issue. As I know you know, uh, there is this giant story now in the state capitol and throughout the state of women in the state capitol saying there's been this culture of harassment and assault for decades. It's been an open secret. And so, Jamie, you know the capitol well. You know the halls of, of the capitol well. You know the lobbyists. I thought I'd ask you, you know, what is up with this story? And it turns out you have a rather unique take. So, Jamie, you've witnessed it. What is going on with this? story of sexual harassment in the state capitol? Well, look, I think these are outrageous claims, and when it's a legislative aide and a woman who's who's powerless to defend herself against a powerful legislator, you know, I know that happens. We all know it happens, and it's true with junior lobbyists, too. But there is a part of the story that really isn't being told, and I've seen Sacramento at its most pornographic, at its worst, because there are big money bills being moved all the time, and I'm usually on the wrong side of them you know, going to try to stop the insurance companies, the drug companies, the oil companies, utility companies. And I can tell you the lobbyists for those companies and those industries will stop it. And I mean nothing to get their ways. And it's a two-way street, man. You know, you hang out in the hallways in the legislature the last week of session or before a big bill or before a budget vote. And, you know, you see lobbyists throwing themselves at legislators, men and women, and they offer all sorts of stuff. They offer drinks, they offer golf, they offer... You know, in one case uh, that's really tragic, we had a workers' compensation scheme where the state was built for probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And one of the legislators uh, was going to go to jail for it, a guy named uh, Ron Calderon, but there were a lot of legislators involved in that scam. And the guy who pulled it off, uh, who was a doctor who owned some hospitals in Southern California, had a plane, and he drove up and down the state, loaded up with legislators, had hookers on it, took them to Mexico with drugs and drinks. This is all real. This is all true. It's all part of a culture where, you know, when you have the levers of power, people will do anything to um, make it make it work for them because the consequences are millions and billions of dollars in state decisions. And so one part of it is inside the building that the power is abused on the aides. It's wrong, and I think the Senate and the Assembly need to clean up their acts and release all documentations, full disclosure, under uh, the subject of the Public Records Act, but under, you know, just the understanding that it's wrong not to air all the dirty laundry of these houses. And we need to know how much was paid out and who made the allegations and who and they made against, who, who the allegations were made against. So, we know, you know, we have a code of conduct. But the problem is the ethics there is like the ethics in the Weinstein Company. 
it's worse in many ways because honestly, the the people who came forward against Harvey Weinstein are so courageous. I hear them talking, and, and I heard uh, just a, an anchor from L.A. What happened to Noah Lawrence Vaughn come and talk about how Weinstein took her down to his restaurant when she was an anchor down in Long Island, and she just witnessed him masturbating, and she just made her stand there, and she finally came forth and talked about it, just to, to say this is really real, and these women are courageous, and I support them. Well, I'll tell you, in the Capitol, it goes both ways. It goes both ways with female legislators and male aides, and it goes both ways with female lobbyists who uh, use whatever power they have uh, to get what they want, and it is wrong. Uh, and there needs to be a code of ethics to stop it, because when personal sexual favors, when something of value offered in a relationship or a golf game or a, a carton of wine or a very fancy steak dinner can buy a vote, the public is being betrayed. And I can tell you, having been up there, it's worse than pornographic, and people are being betrayed all the time. Jamie, are you telling me that sex is being used by lobbyists to obtain votes on bills? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness gracious. And you said the word. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, let me jump in because if you're just joining us, we're talking to our friend Jamie Court, and this is some blockbuster stuff all by itself. C-O-U-R-T is the spelling, and this stuff ought to be in court. Jamie Court's president of Consumer Watchdog, and find them online, consumerwatchdog.org. And, Jamie, I've got on my screen right now, it's the New York Times from September 2008. As you were talking, I went back in the archives, and... There was a scandal under the George W. Bush administration in Colorado, the Mineral Mining Service. There was this government agency where lobbyists were having sex with the government officials and there was cocaine and all kinds of, uh, of scandals. A lot of people now that I'm mentioning is going, oh, yeah, I remember that George W. Bush Mineral Mining Service, uh, sex and cocaine and lobbyists and stuff. And, Jamie, it turns out this is really not a new story at all, what you're saying. The use of sex, the use of drugs, the use of prostitution uh, to sway legislators, to bribe them for votes and stuff. I mean, we, we see it way too often. And in an environment where sex is that much of a commodity, and then you throw in all the sexual harassment. Jamie, what does this say about all of us? Well, it says that the people who we put in power are corrupt, and they tend to act corruptly at certain times. Now, not all of them, maybe not even most of them, but the people actually who get to run these houses are maybe the most corrupt because that's how they get that power. And when they get it, I've seen all those things. I've seen gifts, drugs, sex used as um, ways to create and maintain relationships to get public benefits to people. And the FBI has seen it too. The FBI was buzzing the Capitol for about eight years and they did catch the Calderones, but there are a lot of people, a lot of fish they let go, who were in maybe not as uh, clearly or as deeply, because Duran and his brother Tom were really overt about all this. But there were plenty of people in both the highest realms of the staff and the highest realms of both houses who trafficked in all of this just as a matter of power and privilege. Uh, and it got them drunk with that power. And the FBI had a lot of those goods and decided not to bring some of those cases. But I can tell you that what's happened recently with Hollywood is opening the doors to a fuller discussion about, about all this. And you really have to salute those women who wrote that letter saying, give us full disclosure. Give us full disclosure about what uh, complaints were lodged against which legislators, because the houses have those documents. And if Kevin DeLeon 
uh, who's the head of the Senate, and Anthony Redden, who's the leader of the Assembly, really do care about this issue, they will come clean, redacting the names of the victims. But there's a lot more that goes on up there, and these houses have never been willing to adapt codes of conduct that allow you know them to be uh, holding members accountable. Uh, they're not accountable to the public records laws. They're accountable to a lot of the laws that govern the rest of us. A couple of years ago, there was a service in the Senate. Some Senate employees were hired, and I think they're still on the payroll, to pick up uh, senators who were too drunk to drive. It was a little drunk driving aversion uh, delivery service because, of course, Ben Waso had a little drunk driving problem years ago as a state senator now. And, um, you know, they got some flack over that. But that is just the tip of what, what happens up there. And it's it's something that um, is shrouded in darkness because they're not subject to the same sunshine laws that the rest of the uh, the rest of government agencies are, and that's intentional. But if it's going to stop, we need full disclosure. Well, Jamie, the the great irony, of course, here is is that all of this that we're discussing is happening in that great progressive state of California, where it's supposedly everybody is so forward looking and liberal, and and there's none of this stuff is going on, and obviously that's all a myth and it's all hyperbole. Oh, it's <laughs> a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a big lie. And, and, it's, and it's a big lie, even if you look at the policies. Forget the politics or the extra politics we've just been talking about that shouldn't happen anywhere. Well, Jamie, uh, let alone a public workplace. Well, let's talk about one of those policies, which is health care, because, Jamie, I've got to move us over there. Uh, there's a big deal in the U.S. Senate uh, reached this week, a bipartisan deal to uh, basically reestablish uh, some one of the big subsidies uh, that keep people uh, getting their insurance and, and basically an effort to just essentially shore up Obamacare for a couple of years uh, rather than tearing it down. So the Democrats and Republicans came together on it. Donald Trump has now taken three positions in two days. No kidding around. And uh, he said he was for it, then he was against it, now he's sort of for it again. Uh, and you're right, By the when we were talking about this earlier, by the time tonight uh, rolls around, he'll probably take a fifth position and then a sixth before we wake up tomorrow. But that aside, the key news, Jamie, today is that 12 Republicans have signed on publicly as co-sponsors with 48 Democrats. Now, I can count. Math death. I mean, that's 48 and 12 is 60, and that gets you past a filibuster in the Senate. So Lamar Alexander, the Republican Senate who's leading on these negotiations, said he's got the votes to get out of the Senate. The question is, will Mitch McConnell let it for a vote? Will Paul Ryan let it go for a vote? There's lots of people saying it'll easily pass the House with all the Democrats and some of the Republicans. Jamie, the question for you is, is this a good deal? Would California benefit? Would various states benefit? I, I mean, basically, the cost-sharing uh, reduction payments are, will go back, but they will open up those exchanges to these catastrophic plans, which will still have to have all the same benefits, but they will be somewhat cheaper. They will be in the same risk pool, so the siphoning off problem won't be there, but they will be somewhat cheaper policies. Jamie, that seems to be the biggest damage being done to Obamacare in the deal. Is this a reasonable deal and should we be for it? Well, look, it's going to stabilize insurance markets for low-income people, and that's important. And I see if there's bipartisan support for that, it should be done, even though it comes at a big taxpayer cost. You know, basically the subsidies reimburse insurance companies for having lower deductibles and co-payments and out-of-pocket costs than they ordinarily would have in a free market, but for low-income consumers. And if we can help low-income consumers stay insured, the logic goes, and I think it's sound. We have more people who are insured, more people are getting preventative health care, and we keep the costs in the system down because people don't go to the emergency room and they get sick and they don't get really sick. 
we'd have to pay for them anyway. They cost a lot more. And these were the days pre-Obamacare. As long as we're on this road, we should make sure we stay on the road. And uh, it's a smart move. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I think Trump is clearly politically getting a different calculus minute by minute about what this means for his hopes in the midterm election, what it means for his hopes for you know three years from now, and. He's looking at it through a political lens. If we're just looking about helping people, there's no questions to the right thing. Well, Jamie, I've got to leave it there, but I really appreciate your perspective, and I guarantee you nobody else would be willing to say what you said. Uh, very few people, if anybody, other than you, uh, as to what's really going on in the California state capitol and how business is really transacted. I think a lot of people kind of understand that's how it's done, but to hear the detail of it is really, it's still kind of shocking, and maybe I'm just naive. But Jamie Court is the president of Consumer Watchdog, and if you don't know Jamie Court, it's spelled C-O-U-R-T. Like going to court and Consumer Watchdog does go to court for consumers, but they do so much more. So check them out at ConsumerWatchdog.org, ConsumerWatchdog.org. And Jamie, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so very much. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, John.